Welcome to the West Point Sermon Podcast. This is your place for audio for past and future messages. Video versions of this podcast are available at the link in the podcast description. Be sure to subscribe so you get updates when new sermons are posted. Thanks so much for listening. Who's ready for a joke this morning? Minister told his congregation, Next week, I plan to preach about the sin of lying. And to help you understand my sermon in advance before the message, I want you all to read Mark chapter 17. So the following Sunday, as he prepared to deliver his message, the minister asked for a show of hands. He wanted to know how many had read Mark 17. Every hand in the church went up. The minister said, I will now proceed on my sermon with the sin of lying. Mark only has 16 chapters. Oh, man, you would never do that. See, I would never even try that here because you're just so honest. I would never, I would never try to expose you like that. Um, this morning, uh, we're continuing this series called Rethink Your Lifestyle, and we're talking about some things, that, some habits that if we put into place in our life, that they will transform the way that we live, the way that we view everything. Um, and I am so excited about this series and this message. I mean, this last week has been awesome. For those of you who have joined the conversation on Facebook as we've been studying God's Word together, it's just been awesome. Some of the insights, some of the things that God is, is revealing to His people as we study His Word together, uh, it's just been so cool. And if you haven't jumped on that yet and you haven't joined that, I'd encourage you to do that. And if you missed a couple of days, don't worry about that. Don't get discouraged by that. Just join in and jump in. Um, and we're, we're studying the book of 1 Corinthians right now. We're going to make it all the way through the end of, the, of 2 Corinthians by the end of the month. Uh, and it's just been awesome to see how God is speaking to his people. I'm, I'm excited about this series because uh, I believe that there is momentum building in what God is doing here in this community, in this church and we've seen some of the amazing things that God has done uh, since I've been here over the last four years. I've, I've witnessed some incredible things. I'm sure there were amazing things that, that happened even before I got here. But I believe that all of that is building momentum to what God wants to do in the future. In, in his book, Good to Great, Jim Collins gives this example of pushing on a flywheel and, and how at first it takes a lot of effort to get that flywheel moving. Right, I think of like, uh, how many of you seen the show The Price is Right, right? They, they push that big wheel and they give it a good push and, and initially it's a lot of effort to get it turning. But once the momentum starts to happen, it spins on itself and its momentum keeps it going. And sometimes a good push can create a lot of momentum that can carry on for a very long time. And that's what this month is all about that we're rethinking our habits and our lifestyle and the things that we do in order to generate some momentum that will carry us through the rest of the year. So we're investing for a time in something that's really important and we're doing it together and we're, we're pushing each other and we're encouraging each other so that we can build some momentum that will carry us for the rest of the year. And um, we've been talking about the importance of studying God's Word last week and this week we're going to add something to it prayer and fasting. Yes. Who is excited about fasting? I know you are, right? Yes. Not eating is awesome. Uh, that was a little bit less enthusiasm than I was expecting. 
Um, fasting is not something that most people enjoy, right? Most normal people like that have their senses intact, right? We don't enjoy not eating because eating is good. Like, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Like, food is delicious. God created it, and it's wonderful. But I want to talk about the importance of that today and why it's so important to fast. Because I believe that, that in life there are moments of breakthrough. And fasting and prayer is one of those tools that, that we use that helps us get to that moment of breakthrough. That moment where the wheel is spinning itself, right? And I think if we were to all be honest today, that every single one of us have had moments in our lives where we've needed a breakthrough. And, and if you really think about your life right now, there's probably something that you're going through where you need a breakthrough in your life. And I believe with all my heart that God wants you to experience that as well. And so I want to give us some keys to experiencing a breakthrough today. And uh, I'll just forewarn you in advance, one of them is fasting. Get ready for that. <laughs> Prepare yourself mentally. Um, there was a season in my life where I was really wrestling with my faith. I was in college, and it was before I had started my, my internship, and I was, just, I was just kind of like curious as to what the world had for me that, that I hadn't experienced. I mean, I, I'd served Christ as long as I can remember, since I was a little boy. And I was passionate about my faith, but I'd come to this point where I'm like, man, am I missing something? Like, is there, is there something else out there? That, that I'm missing out on because I've committed my life to Christ and I just was curious. And so it kind of led me down this path of like questioning my faith and doubting and it led me into some things that, that maybe I, I regret. <laughs> and I came to this moment and, and I'll tell you this, I was only drunk once in my life. And it happened on this one night and, and as a result, I got so sick that I woke up at 3 in the morning, and then the only reason I remember it was exactly 3 o'clock in the morning, because I woke up and looked at my alarm clock, and I saw it right there, and then I proceeded to vomit all over my alarm clock. I'll never forget that minute of that day. And I tried to go back to sleep, but I just couldn't after I cleaned up the mess, and I was sick and tired and sick of being sick and tired. And I had this moment with God in this, and I remember so clearly saying, God, if this is where it's at, I don't want any part of it. I'm either going to be all in in my faith, and I'm going to be all in in my commitment to you, or I'm not going to have any of it at all. And I resolved in that moment to go all in and to be committed for the rest of my life to the calling that God had placed on me, the calling that, that he had given to me to be his son. And there was no turning back from that moment forward. That moment was a moment of breakthrough for me. And it completely altered my behavior as a result. But it was an encounter with the presence of God. And I want to look at a couple of stories in Scripture this morning of people who've had breakthrough. But maybe you're here this morning and you need a breakthrough in your life. Um, the definition of a breakthrough is a sudden, dramatic important advance. It's sudden, it's dramatic, and it's important. And, and it's about moving forward. Science has breakthroughs, right? We have scientific discoveries. Technology 
has breakthroughs. The invention of the microprocessor was a breakthrough in technology. Um, the, there's also the opposite of a breakthrough, and, and that is like being stalled, right? And maybe you're at that point in your life right now. Maybe you're kind of stuck. Maybe in your faith, maybe in your finances, maybe in your emotional health, maybe in your relationships with others. Or maybe you're not just stalled, but you're actually regressing a little bit. Maybe you're experiencing a setback. And there can be those moments in our lives as well. I have this saying that I use all the time, that God doesn't cause your pain, but he doesn't waste it either. So God didn't put pain in your life. He didn't cause you to suffer so that, that um, uh, you would experience him more. But he doesn't waste the suffering that we as mankind have brought on ourselves either. God uses our pain sometimes to get our attention. He doesn't waste that pain, and he uses it to prepare us for a breakthrough. In fact, I believe that sometimes we aren't able to change unless our pain exceeds our discomfort with change. You know what that means? Like when you're going through something and you're like, ah, I'd really like something to be different right now, but I'm pretty comfortable with where I'm at, so I'm just going to kind of stay in the mode that I'm in. And until that discomfort pushes us, until that pain pushes us to the point where we're saying, I'm tired of this, I'm fed up with the way that it is, I'm ready to take that step, even though it's uncomfortable, even though it brings a little bit of fear and anxiety, I'm ready to make that change. God uses that pain sometimes to bring us to that point where we're ready for that breakthrough. Proverbs 20:30 says this, blows that wound, cleanse away evil. Strokes make clean the innermost part. Sometimes it, it takes a little bit of pain to cause us to want to change, to cause us to move in the right direction. Change happens when our, when our fear of change is exceeded by our current pain. So I've, I've experienced this personally in that I've tried to drag people through a breakthrough before. It does not work. It is amazing how resilient people are when they're afraid of change and how much work and how much effort you can put into it trying to bring them through. And maybe you've experienced this in your family. You've tried to drag your kids through a breakthrough before. Lord have mercy. Okay? That is, that is an impossible thing to do because unless somebody is at that point where they're ready and they're willing to experience it, they're not going to walk through that they're not going to take those steps. They're not going to be ready for that breakthrough. Psalm 77, 2 says, In the day of my trouble, I seek the Lord. In the night, my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. When you're ready to stretch out your hand, and you're ready to seek God, and you're ready to take that uncomfortable step, God is there waiting to bring you through. And that's what we're going to look at today, how that happened. And I'm going to give you a couple of stories in the Bible where people experienced a breakthrough. And then we're going to talk about what God's Word says about how we can experience that for ourselves. And I've been praying that the people who need to hear this message would be here today. 
Now, I'm hoping that God answered that prayer this morning, and I believe with all my heart that if you're here today, that you need to hear this, and that this message is for you. And sometimes we think, oh, that'd be a great message for somebody else. Well, just, just knock that off today. Just look at the person next to you and say, hey, this message, go ahead, come on. Actually, you got to do it, people. Hey, this message is for you, okay? Now you've heard it from them, and you know it's for you. It's for you today because God wants you to experience a breakthrough. And some of us, we'd be comfortable pretending like we don't need anything in our lives. We don't need change in our lives. We don't need God to do anything in our lives. But the truth is that we're all at that point in some area of our life where we need God to do something. Maybe you don't believe that yet, but I'm hoping the Holy Spirit will speak to you as I continue to preach this message that by the time we're done today, that you'd be ready to understand that, that we all need breakthrough in our lives. I said last week, I don't preach messages that don't have an impact on me. That's a waste of my time. If it doesn't move my heart, it's probably not going to move anyone else's either. So I'm telling you right now, there are areas in my life where I need God to break through. And I'm believing that he's going to do that. I want you to, um, if you have a Bible with you, turn your Bible to the book of 1 Chronicles. And we're going to look at two stories, one in 1 Chronicles, one in 2 Chronicles. Two battles that, that the people of God were about to face, the people of Israel were experiencing and how God broke through. And I'm going to move fast this morning because i got a lot of information, so you're just going to have to buckle up and hang on and stick with me. And if you lose it, you can watch it online. We're going to post it on there. And you can go back and, and review or you can jot some notes down this morning. But First Corinthians, Chronicles 14, 8 through 11, it will be on the screen as well. It says, when the Philistines heard that David had been anointed king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David. Now, they weren't going to uh, congratulate him on becoming king, I'll tell you that much. But David heard of it and went out against them. So, new king, they're like, let's take advantage. Right now, we're going to hit this guy before he's established, before he like, becomes strong as king. And David heard about it in advance, and he decided, forget that, I'm going out after them. Now, the Philistines had come and made a raid in the valley of Rephaim. And David inquired of God... Shall I go up against the Philistines? There's a lesson right there. Never go and fight a battle unless you've asked God about it first. Unless you're ready to go into battle. Because you're not going to be ready until you're ready to do it with God. And if you're trying to do it by yourself, you're going to struggle, you're going to fail, you're going to fall short. So before you take on a battle that maybe God doesn't even want you to fight, ask him, should I go up and fight these Philistines? Will you give them into my hand? And the Lord said, go up. I will give them into your hand. So he went up to Baal Perazim, and David struck them down there. And I love this. And David said, God has broken through my enemies by his hand. There's that breakthrough. God has broken through his enemies by my hand like a bursting flood. Therefore, name, the name of that place shall be called Baal Perazim, which means God has broken through. Maybe there are areas in your life that you need to rename God has broken through. And maybe you need to even do it before you see that breakthrough, that we're claiming it in victory, that God has broken through. And, and I want you to notice something else here too. It's not that David 
took care of his business, and he broke through the armies of the Philistine. He recognized where his victory came from. It wasn't because his army was superior. It wasn't because he had a great military strategy. It wasn't because his warriors were stronger than the enemies. It was because the Lord was on his side, and he had promised him victory. And so David gave credit where the credit was due. And it's the same place that we should give credit when we're going through a battle and we're fighting a battle and God gives us victory. The victory is his, not ours. And that's the difference between going into a battle with God on our side and going into a battle by ourselves. We fight a lot of battles by ourselves. We do. I see it every day. I have people that I'm talking to, that I'm praying with, that are trying to fight a battle on their own, and they need God to intervene. But they're not willing to give up control. They're not willing to say, God, I trust you enough to fight this battle for me. So we need to learn how to trust God and how to give God the credit and the glory. Second example, jumping to 2 Chronicles chapter 20. If you want to follow along, this is about a guy named Jehoshaphat. How would you like to have that name? <laughs> um, 2 Chronicles chapter 20. After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, and with them some of the Meunites. can't believe that is actually a name of people, the Meunites. Um, came against Jehoshaphat for a battle. Some men came and told Jehoshaphat, a great multitude is coming against you from Edom and, and beyond the sea. And behold, they are in Hazazan Tamar. That is in Jedi. Why couldn't they just call it in Jedi in the first place, okay? And then Jehoshaphat was afraid and set his face to seek the Lord. Okay, doesn't say then Jehoshaphat was filled with confidence because he was ready to fight this battle. The first response was that he was afraid. But notice something here, and we're going to talk about this more in just an instant here. He didn't allow his fear to dominate him. He didn't stay in that place of fear. He didn't stay in that place of worry. But rather, he set his face to seek the Lord. He redirected his attention to the one he knew could provide him help. So he was afraid, and he turned his face to the Lord. And then he proclaimed a fast throughout all of Judah. Because all of Judah was about to face this battle, so all of Judah needed to fast together. And verse 4 says, And Judah assembled to seek help from the Lord. From all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. I want to give you four things um, from this, these two lessons of Scripture that we can do. We can do to focus our attention on God so that we can experience the breakthrough. By the way, I want to just recap what happened in this story. We don't have time to read the whole thing this morning, but, but ultimately what happened is they decided to fast and pray, and they came together and sought the Lord, and these three armies, the, all the sites, came together, ready to fight against Judah, and they ended up fighting against each other. And they destroyed each other, so that they ended up killing each other and leaving, and now... All that was left was all the riches and the spoils of war, and they didn't even have to fight the battle. That's what happens when we pray. When we try to take things in our own hands, we end up fighting a battle that's way over us, that's way above our ability to overcome. But when we allow God to fight the battle for us, we don't even have to enter in the battle. He wins it for us, and we receive the rewards of battle. And that battle, that valley where they fought that battle, Jehoshaphat renamed that valley too. Remember, David called his 
the, the Lord broke through. Jehoshaphat called his the valley of blessing. God took the valley of a battle and turned it into the valley of blessing. Anybody want to receive that this morning? Like there are battles that we're facing and we can look back on it in a few years and we can say, I see the blessing in the battle. I see the fight that I was going through and now I see God's hand, how he won that battle for me and turned it into a blessing. So four things to learn from this lesson. First one is don't worry. Don't worry. In fact, refocusing that worry on God. Second one is to resolve to seek the Lord. Third one is to fast. The fourth one is to seek God through prayer. Now we're going to go over all of those and we're going to talk about what those mean. But God gave Jehoshaphat a great victory as a result. He gave him the breakthrough. All right. So number one, refocus your worry. Um, don't worry. That's, that's one of the like, most difficult things for us to understand. Uh, like the Bible tells us, like, don't worry about anything. Don't be anxious for anything. Well, okay, God, I'll try not to do that. How am I going to do that? <laughs> like, how am I going to not worry? It's, it's maybe one of the most difficult commandments that God has given us to keep because it's like, it feels like we're completely helpless when it comes to this. Like, I can't help that I worry. When in reality, God has given us a tool and an ability to not worry. It's not by, um, by thinking about not worrying, <laughs> right? We're just thinking about worrying. Then We're just thinking about the thing that's causing us to worry in the first place. In fact, we spend most of our mental energy regretting the past or worrying about what will happen tomorrow. Think about that for a second. I mean, how much of our time and mental energy do we actually use on the moment that we're living in? as opposed to all the mistakes that we've made in the past, all the things we wish we would have done differently, or all the decisions that we have to make tomorrow. I don't believe that God wants us to live our lives that way. In fact, worry has never done anyone any good at all. You know what worry is? It's an effort to control everything. It's an unsuccessful effort, but that's ultimately what it comes down to. You want control over the situation, and you don't have it, so therefore your response is to worry. And the only way that we change that is by focusing on something different. Worry is focusing on your fears instead of focusing on God. That's all it is. We're spending our time focusing on the things that make us afraid, it's not a sin to be afraid. It's a sin to dwell and live in that fear because then it becomes worry. Then it becomes something that consumes us. It's, it's practical atheism. Worry is acting like God doesn't care about me. He doesn't love me. He doesn't know the details in my life. When we worry, we're saying that we don't trust God enough to provide for our needs. We don't trust God enough to, to take care of us. We believe, we're ultimately confessing with our actions that God doesn't exist. Now that might seem a little bit harsh because frankly we all worry. 
And that's not the point to make you feel bad about it, to make you um, feel ashamed about it. But it's to get you to, to the point where you understand, I need to refocus my attention on something that's going to do something in my life. Philippians 4, 6 through 8 says, don't be anxious about anything. There you go. Don't worry. Easy, right? Well, he actually gives us something that we can do instead. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. So pray and be thankful. That's your antidote to worry. That's, that's the way that, that we move out of that pattern of fear and worry and anxiety. Like, okay, we don't have to dwell on this anymore. Instead, I'm going to thank God for what he's given me, and I'm going to pray about the things that are causing me fear. And then it says, in the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. What does that mean? It means peace that doesn't make sense because nobody else would, no logical person would have peace in that situation. But because we trust God and we believe what he says in his word, we can have peace, we can, we can resist anxiety, we can resist fear. It's peace that doesn't make sense. And it will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So if you do these things, instead of sitting and dwelling on your fears, you pray about it, you make your request known to God out of a heart of thanksgiving. If you do that, worry will go away. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. How many of you have heard that verse before? How many of you have thought in isolation that verse was a nice thought? But understanding it in the context of the way it was written is, is a game changer. This is, this is an antidote for fear. This is what gets us through our anxiety, through our fear about tomorrow. As we think on these things, worry, fear, anxiety all melt away because we're trusting in God. Romans 8, 6 says it this way, for the mind on the flesh, or for, to set the mind on flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. When we refocus our attention on God and we trust him, then fear has to go. It doesn't have any place. In fact, the Bible tells us God's love, perfect love, casts out all fear. It doesn't have place in our life. It can't stay. It can't reside there because God's love has pushed it out. So as we focus on his love for us and we trust him, we're pushing aside that practical atheism. We're saying, God, I believe in you. I believe you're real. I believe you care about me, so I'm not going to fear. I'm not going to worry about tomorrow. It doesn't mean we act like an idiot and we don't plan. We don't have to, you know, think ahead but it means that we don't look at fear with anxiety and worry. We know that God is, is our God and that he's faithful to us. Second thing, seek the Lord. Um, now, I want to clarify something. The way that, that people in the Old Testament sought the Lord is different from the way that we seek the Lord today. We're not out there like, okay, God, where are you? I can't find you. Like, there was a different relationship that they had, even though that God still loved them and he was still there for them, he was still there for his people, um, like they had a different relationship with him because Jesus hadn't come and separated that, that sin barrier that was in our lives where today we have access to the Father 
anytime we want it. He's right here in this room with us. The presence of God is right here in this room. So it's easier than it has ever been in the course of human history to seek the Lord. Um, James actually says it this way. I love the way that he phrases it. He says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So it's, it's not the idea of like, God, I got to go looking for you. I got to find you. It's just the idea of like, like snuggling up to God, right? Or if that's kind of weird to you, you know, use a different analogy, all right? Like, I'm going to go shake God's hand, like a, you know, good Scandinavian. Whatever, whatever imagery you need to use, God is there, and he's ready to sit down with you, and to, to, he wants to interact with you. All it, it requires is that our hearts are drawn to his. We have the presence of God with us. The Holy Spirit lives in us. Um, and we have unprecedented access to him. God is already near. Here's how Acts 20, or 17, 26, and 27 says it. And he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries for their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. But here's the cool part. It says, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Even those who are in darkness, those who have not experienced what it's like to have a relationship with Christ, God is one call away. Lord, I need you. Come save me. That's all it takes. And he's there. He's present for them. How much more is he present for his children and ready to respond to our needs? Seek the Lord for a breakthrough. Number three, fast. Okay, I want to talk about why we fast, but first I want to talk about why we don't, why not, why, what is the wrong reason, some of the wrong reasons to fast. First of all, it's not a shortcut to God's grace, okay? It doesn't make God love you anymore doesn't make him want to do more for you because you fast. It's not a punishment for the bad things that you do. It's not penance, right? What it is, is it's a tool that draws us closer to God. By rejecting our flesh, which our desire is to eat, right? That's a natural thing. We're hungry. We want to eat. So by saying we're going to suppress that need, now we're going to feed our spirit instead. Fasting is not for God's benefit, it's for yours. Some of you might think that sounds crazy, because not eating does not sound like that's something for my benefit. In reality, um, science is telling us that fasting is actually great for you. In fact, today fasting is more popular for health reasons than it has been for hundreds and hundreds of years. See, they used to just understand that because God said you should fast, that it would be good for you. But now we've thought that we're smarter than God and we've tried to come up with other things. And so, so that, like for a while, doctors were saying, don't fast, it's bad for you, it's bad for you. Well, there's this new movement now that they're saying, oh, actually, we've tested this scientifically and, and there are actually a myriad of health benefits as well. Maybe God knew what he was talking about in the first place. Now, will it be unpleasant? Absolutely. Listen, I'm not going to get into specifics here, but there are some things that happen to your body when you start 
you know, eating nothing but water for several days that are unpleasant. One, you're hungry. Uh, two, there are some like bowel things that, that happen as a part of the process that are just not the best to go through. But I'm telling you, it is good for you. And if you've never done it before, go for it. Now, I understand there are some people with some health things that, that they're not able to fast. But I would say that that is by far the vast minority. All right? Most of us choose not to fast because the idea of going a day or more without eating is pretty awful. But why not give God a chance? Why not see how he can use that tool to impact your life as you, as you suppress your flesh, you're feeding your spirit. You're saying, God, I'm serious about this breakthrough that I need right now. And I'm going to prove it by subjecting myself to something that's maybe a little bit uncomfortable, disciplining my body in not eating and trusting you to feed me spiritually. And as you do that, God will honor that. Joel 1.14 says, consecrate a fast. Well, we did that. It starts today. Hallelujah. Call a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of your, the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Why do we do that? Because the Bible promises that as we seek the Lord, we will find him. We'll experience him. This is a tool to draw us into God's presence. Okay, so number three, fast. Number four, pray about everything. If it's worth worrying about, it's worth praying about. Okay? So, um, your boyfriend broke up with you, and you're not feeling too great about that, you can pray about it. You're worried that your face is broken out, and you're going to take pictures the next day, you can pray about that too. Um, your back is hurting, you can pray about that. Your kids being a pain in the butt, you can pray about that. Okay? There are, if it's big enough to worry about, it's big enough to pray about. God cares about the details in our lives. Don't believe the lie that you do not matter to God. Don't believe it. It's not true. God cared enough about you to send his son to die for you. So do you think he cares about the things that matter to you? Absolutely he does. And if you're worried about it, if you're fearful about it, bring it to God in prayer. You can pray for your pets. Listen, I don't think that God cares about your pets the same way that he cares about you, but, but you, if, if you care about your pets and he cares about you, then he cares about your pets. Pray for your pets, right? Whatever it is that you're worried about, that you're fearful about, you can bring that to God because God cares for you. The Bible tells us to cast our cares on him because he cares for us. All right. I'm going to land this airplane. I was planning we were going to sing at the end, but we don't have time for that this morning. i got to wrap this thing up. I need to get to the part where what do we do about this, right? What's, what's the application? I believe that, that if we follow these four steps, we're going to see breakthrough in our life. And in a couple weeks, we're going to do a two-week series on the power of a testimony. And I believe with all my heart that we're going to have testimonies galore to share because of the breakthrough that's happening because we're seeking God because we're faithful to him. And I believe that, that God is going to give us the power to overcome in the battles that we're facing. And we're going to be able to name that place the Lord broke through. The Lord broke through. We're going to be able to take that 
valley that was a battle, that was a struggle, and we're going to be able to rename that the Valley of Blessing. So how do we do that? I want to give you three quick things, really quick, as we close today. Number one, join us in prayer and fasting. Join us in prayer and fasting this week. Now, in the past, we've done a big board to sign up. We're going to do something a little bit different this year, and I'm going to have Lillian put that slide up right now. Um, first of all, if you missed the chance to get the, the text for um, Bible study, you can still jump on that and do that. That's the bottom one, but the top one, if you would text this to this number, here's what we're going to do. It's going to send you a message, and then all you have to do is reply to that message. It's going to say, thank you for joining us. Reply with your name and what days you're planning to pray and fast. And if you could do that for us, just to let us know, um, you don't have to brag about it. We're not going to, like, publicize it. We're just, just so that we know that you're praying and fasting with us. So let's say um, you, you text that number and it, and it responds to you. You text your name back and, and you say, I'm going to fast on Wednesday and Thursday this week. Or I'm going to fast on Sunday through Wednesday. Or I'm going to fast for the whole week. Whatever it might be, just, just let us know so that we know when you're praying and fasting with us. And um, maybe you're like, hey, I, I remember that uh, actually Jeff did this a couple of years ago. He said, oh, I, I saw nobody signed up on Thursday. I'm going to pray and fast that day. Um, and maybe uh, that's you and you're like, hey, it doesn't matter what day you pick for me. Write that in your text message and we'll assign a day for you to, to pray and fast or two days or whatever you want, okay? But jump on board with that. Pray and fast with us for that day. Um, and uh, that's one way that you can, that you can do that. And we're going to send a prayer focus via text message each day, okay? So if you're on board and you want to do that with us, we'll, we'll send that to you via text message. Let us know that, that, that you're in, that you're part of that. Second thing, come to prayer meeting tonight. Wednesday night, okay? Two different prayer meetings. Now, we as a staff have been talking about doing less, better, because I know that there are a lot of things going on in your life, and, and the more things that we have, the more it takes away from other things. So we're just doing two prayer meetings this week, just twice, and we want you to be a part of them. We want you to be a part of them. In fact, more than any other prayer meeting for the rest of the year tonight, if you can come tonight, I want you there. And I'm going to challenge you, and I'm going to say something, and I want you to receive this the right way. And this might seem a little bit harsh, okay? But I'm going to say it anyway. <laughs> um, if you've never been to a prayer meeting before, I would question the fact whether you're actually serious about believing that God can move through our prayer. Now, I'm not saying that to make you feel guilty or to beat you up or to say you're a horrible person. But I want you to think about that. I mean, really think about it. Like, if I believe that prayer makes a difference, that this is something that's, that's really significant to, to what God wants to do, building his kingdom in our church, that I'm going to make time to be there. Because frankly, we make time for the things that we really care about. And, I, you know, I have kids, and, and I understand, like, if you're a parent, that that makes things difficult. In fact, my wife comes to our prayer meetings and sometimes she has to slip out a little bit early. She's one of the first ones that leaves because we got little kids and we need to get them to bed and they got school the next day. Come. If you got to leave a little bit early, leave a little bit early. But we want you here. We want you here. We want you a part of it. And especially tonight as we begin this season of 
of like what God has for us this brand new year, like this is the most important one. If you can be here tonight, I know there are scheduled things. I know there are things that, that are going to come up. But find a way to make time to be here tonight. And we, we follow a simple little model. We normally talk about um, pursuing God in, in four different ways. Up, which is our worship. We spend time in worship. Out, we spend time praying outside for things outside of this church. Uh, in, we spend time praying for each other. And, and that alone is maybe a reason to come. Maybe you just need prayer from somebody. And then the last one is uh, down. And, and we, receive, we hear God's voice through his people. We give you an opportunity to share what God's put on your heart because that's important and that's significant too. Well, tonight is going to be um, focusing on two of those things. And Wednesday night, we're going to focus on, on two of the other ones. And we've done this every year where we prayed for people who need to know Christ. And that's what we're doing tonight. We're going to spend time on that tonight. We're focusing specifically out in that way. And listen, does anybody in here have an immediate family member, a brother, sister, mother, father, son, or daughter that, that is, is, doesn't have a relationship with God in the way that you do, that doesn't know him in the way that you do? That's you. Raise your hand. All right. You got a reason to come tonight. You got a reason to come tonight. I, I do too in my family. Um, my, my daughter, Amelia, she's one year old. She does not know Jesus yet. And, and now that may seem kind of silly to you. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that's funny. She's one year old. Yeah, okay. But I pray every single day that she would come to know the love of Jesus Christ. Even though she's one year old and she doesn't understand it yet, someday she will. And I want her to experience God's love. So I'm praying for her every single day that she would know that and experience that. And if you have somebody in your immediate family, okay, now how about somebody that has a friend or a relative or a coworker or a neighbor that doesn't know Christ? Anybody in here going through that right now? You have one person that you know that doesn't know Jesus Christ. You got a reason to come tonight. Okay, because we're going to pray for them. And, and not only are you going to pray for them, but other people are going to pray for them as well. Uh, the way that we do it is really cool. I'm not going to tell you about it because you have to come tonight. I'm also going to teach you, I'm also going to teach you the five-finger prayer, all right? I stole it from somebody else, but it's just a great way of remembering how to pray. So if you're struggling with, I don't know how to pray, I don't know who to pray for, I don't know what to pray, come tonight, I'm going to give you a short little teaching on that, I'm going to teach you that, and then we're going to practice it, okay? So come tonight to the prayer meeting, and then Wednesday night, we're going to focus inward, we're going to pray for each other, and then we're going to receive from God down as well, Okay? So be there tonight. Be there Wednesday night at 6.30. Plan to be a part of those prayer meetings. Um, and then number three, for the next seven days, I encourage you to do this. We're going to follow Daniel's model. If you've, if you've heard of Daniel before, he's the guy in the lion's den, right? That's kind of what we know about Daniel. Um, Daniel had a habit that he did every single day. He prayed three times every single day. I'm going to ask for the next seven days if you would take at least five minutes of your day three times throughout the course of the day for the next seven days and spend five minutes at least in prayer for, the, for those three periods. Does that seem overwhelming to you? I mean, three times a day, 15 minutes total, right? A any of us can do that. We can squeeze it into our day. But for the next seven days, if you commit to doing that, I believe we're going to get a big push. And we're going to see that flywheel start to spin we're going to see some momentum. We're going to see God do some incredible things. 